Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible for horse owners and enthusiasts. Please remember with each topic we discuss that your horse is an individual and you should seek professional advice before implementing any strategies. This week, Nancy and I have read a research project, um, which was a paper on hoof wall separation disease, animal welfare and ethical risks to the Irish Connemara pony. This was published in January 2019 and the author is Sheila Ramsey. And this is very much a hot topic in breeding circles and for anyone who is familiar with Connemara ponies. Hoof wall separation disease is an autosomal recessive disease. Essentially, it's genetic and it causes defects in the horn of the dorsal hoof wall. So it starts to basically, um, these defects can cause such an impact because it deforms that dorsal part of the hoof wall that the ponies can actually be so chronic with it and um, so affected they may have to be euthanized. So it's definitely a serious disease and it's one that we only see occurring in Connemara ponies. So it's linked to chromosome eight, because I'm sure loads of people are wondering that. (laughs) So I thought I would throw that in, but it is a mutation essentially. And we can have carrier ponies and it causes like no physical or welfare issues in the carrier horses, but it's the horses that are diagnosed as actually um, having it as well as being carriers. And I think this is one that, you know, I Nancy, I'm very grateful, found the paper because it's one that I'd kind of briefly mentioned a while back because for those of you that maybe haven't heard our earlier episodes, I am actually from Connemara. And it is an area in the west of the Republic of Ireland. And that is where the breed is native to. So it's a native Irish breed. And Connemara ponies are known for being um, robust. They're also really versatile and they have a generally good disposition. Um, I would say overall, they're really good. I just happen to have a very contentious Connemara mayor so <laughs> my my disposition opinion has probably been tainted a little bit by her but she's I wouldn't have her any other way she's just very stubborn and they're known for being hardy ponies so like the landscape in the area is rocky it's boggy it's mountainous and um, it's a tough landscape so it is definitely one for tougher animals to thrive on and I think this is so interesting because I always regarded them as such tough little ponies that it is um, it is kind of a shame that they have this hoof wall disease. Nancy, you know a lot more when it comes to hooves because you have done farriery in the past. But was this something you had heard about before we looked at the paper? No, I hadn't. I had always heard of hoof wall separation but a lot of times with other breeds, it's created by white line disease, which is when fungus gets um, actually in front of the white line and then separation of the wall and soul enable that fungus or fungi to go up 
and um, kind of um, cause, you can see it on the solar view of the hoof, a separation. And so you always, always, I was told to get a hold of that and be aggressive and, and dig that area out. And then uh, you usually put something in there to medicate it, not to let it get out of control. But in doing this mm -hmm. research with the Connemara um, hoof wall separation disease, it's actually so much more than that. It's actually where the dorsal part of the hoof just breaks away. I mean, it's incredible when I looked at some of the photos of it. I think this is why when they found out there was a genetic component to this, the um, breeding society came up with a test and they thought the test would um, alleviate this disease completely from the breed. But as we'll talk about, that didn't, isn't quite how it panned out. I think this is such a great area for discussion because it's definitely um, kind of a gray area in regards to, you know, has enough been done in regards to this disease? And they did come out with the test and horses were, I mean, it was open to breeders and owners. You could have your horse tested, but it wasn't mandatory, which is one of the issues we're seeing, you know, because we can test and diagnose it, we should in theory be able to eliminate it. We should stop breeding the horses that are um, not just carriers. So carriers, essentially, if you crossed two carriers, I think it's just a 25% chance that the foal would have this disease, which you could, in essence, take that chance because then once the foal gets tested, you know, if they actually had the disease, then you wouldn't breed them. And that would control it in a slower format i think if we wanted to be really strict and try and you know eradicate this as a disease we would have to make it illegal for people to breed horses that are carriers or are um actually have the disease i should say should word that better and <laughs> um, the horses that actually have the disease they shouldn't be bred at all two horses that have this disease are going to pass it on but the one thing that i thought is so interesting and I, I think it's such an area for debate, Nancy. So it'd be cool to see what your opinion is. Reading this paper, they do point out that one of the problems we will have is that we use um, sperm from stallions that have died many years ago. So we're unable to test those stallions to know if they're carriers or not. And some of those stallions like would have been you know, the greatest Irish racehorses or the greatest show jumpers or, you know, it's a really strong lineage. Mm -hmm. And then we have that dilemma where it's like, well, do we just devalue all of that? Just, you know, not allow people to use it? Because that seems like such a waste and such a loss of that line. And then I always come back to the other side of the argument where is it ethical? And I don't know where I stand on this, but is it ethical to use semen from horses that have been dead for 20 years? Yeah, I, I think the way I look at it is, are you making the gene pool smaller 
by continuing to mm-hmm. use that, you know, that semen from that stallion, or are you enhancing the gene pool? We have the same ethical issue in thoroughbred racing where you end up um, diluting the strength of the breed by continuing to use just a certain number of stallions and that lineage. Now, we can't save semen from dead stallions because we demand live cover in thoroughbred racing, but we have done the same thing as far as limiting the gene pool because those happen to be the stallions that are the most commercial and that people gravitate towards. But with the Connemara, it looks like they had stallion overuse And then they closed the stud book in 1963 from any outside influence. Is that correct, Kate? Yeah, I believe that was in the paper as well, which then narrowed down um, the gene pool. And then they didn't enhance. They used inspection and a classification system that's highly outdated. So they didn't keep up with the times either. So I think all those components together kind of brought this disease to the forefront along with other genetic diseases that it's kind of hard when you ask breed societies to, they're kind of like the fox guarding the hen house because they're also looking out for their own commercial interest as well. Yeah, I just realized there, Nancy, um, I'm a corrections corner oh. because I just I realized that when I said about the frozen semen, I don't know if this different in the U.S. Oh, no, you can't use frozen. No, we did you can't. Say? Yeah, we can't. We have to do live cover and thoroughbred. So I- it's the same here. So that was the correction I was just going to make. It it wouldn't be thoroughbreds um, because you can't AI them. Here right. either. So it would the, with the Connemaras, though they can do AI, correct? So yeah, pulling yeah. In, that's one of the yeah, problems. You keep putting in the same genetic inputs into the system, and over time, your gene pool is so contracted that this uh, hoof wall separation disease it just seems to be, you know, they're one component in at least every horse. What was that number as far as the ones that were, you know, they didn't have any of the recessive gene for that? It was somewhat of of a low number as they've gone through the ancestry. But I don't know what it is. But at any rate, when you start to see that you're getting more and more carriers and more and more I think when they began tracking this in 2016, um, they did another tracking in 2017 and then 2018, and it wasn't getting any better. And in 2015, a report was actually um, developed by Dr. Jack Murphy, and it was into the inspection class and classification of the Connemara Pony. Mm-hmm. 
at the time, Dr. Murphy actually made several recommendations and they were partially implemented. But I think what's probably, you know, frustrating and we we can't know, you know, what barriers were there to implementation. But it did note that outside of Ireland, the UK and France, there are no live births with this disease in Connemara ponies and Connemara ponies are bred now all over the year, all over the world. And the reason for this is other countries have made it illegal to breed with this disease. And it seems that this disease, along with some other genetic diseases, um, you know, there's no legalities around breeding, around even disclosing um, prior to sale and things like sweet itch and string halt and roaring. And these are conditions where there's no genetic test available. We just diagnose these. You know, they legally have to be disclosed prior to sale. So that's crazy. You know, you legally have to say if a horse has sweet itch before you sell it. But you don't have to say if it's got this hoof wall separation disease. Yeah, that that is kind of crazy because, oh, it's such a debilitating disease that it seems like it's maybe a knowledge transfer issue because there was a there's a farrier in the UK, Simon Curtis, and he was really heading up education on this. And I think he made a big impact in the United States for farriers to catch this and to report it. And I think that's the key is to make breeders aware that you may be able to breed this mare now, but what you're doing for down the road is not enhancing the breed. And I think that's what sometimes they don't understand. That, And it should be said there, there are like a number of breeders that are very clued in and are obviously following mm-hmm. um, not only the guidelines, because I think they aren't strong enough yet, but they are following, you know, what would be the right protocol to take with this. And it pointed out in this review as well that particularly breeders that have horses that are carriers, um, they are really good at disclosing the horse as a carrier, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the mayor or the stallion, is the other mayor or stallion a carrier and working out what the um, implication is. So I think that is good. I think one of the things that's, holding it back is you know the fear of losing money on the sale of the horse definitely um also some people in ireland um are on like basically i guess you'd call them grants for breeding connemara ponies um so you know there's that issue too are they going to lose their grants which is an important part of their livelihood and their income because now they can't breed the horse. So is it almost better, you know, from their point of view to stay in the dark? We know scientifically and from a welfare point of view, you know, let's get tested because then we're going to get to a point where the horses are all healthy and you you won't have a fear of losing this money. Um, and you'll surely lose the money, you know, if you're producing foals that have this disease as well. But the one thing that really, um, I couldn't really come up with a reason for why, but it was about the passports, Nancy. You know how they said horses were getting these white passports, basically, 
and a white passport is used for a crossbred or a horse that's not like a recognized breed. And they think that one possibility is that owners were getting these four Connemara ponies to be able to like ship them to other countries without having to declare this stuff because even the breeze isn't listed on the passport. But to me, that didn't make any sense because I feel like you're losing so much money. I mean, part of the breeze is part of the price. Mm-hmm. But they, they, maybe they had an indicator because um, there was a mathematical equation where they could take at least 10 of a stallion's progeny and predict if they were carriers or uh, if they had more than one copy of the HWSD gene or not. And I think sometimes if they felt like, well, this, this mare, this stallion might be, you know, have that gene, then they were willing to take that risk and get it a white passport as a mixed breed and not have it even be questioned. Yeah. And then that's, that's interesting because I mean, then we, you know, what that's going to do is skew the science where we don't know if this is something that's now occurring in other breeds or if it's just the breeds have been masked with the white passport. And I think, you know, I know this is, we're talking just about Connemara's, but this in a nutshell happens with every breed because every breed has its genetic conditions or its management criteria, et cetera, that it seems like it always happens. The transparency just isn't there. And in thoroughbreds, we, we've seen it this year with the Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Act. Here we've got a non-biased group ready to do our drug testing. And yet we, the, you know, the organizations, you know, some of the organizations don't want that because they want people that were, are within racing to be in control. But sometimes you make bad decisions when you're in that position. And I think it can happen in any breed and in any horse industry where we're not always the best keepers of our sport or of our breed. And sometimes you need those non-biased people to kind of oversee it. And in this case, one of the recommendations was to have more government control in Ireland of the breed. Well, you've got people who would be for that or against that. But in the end, if you're not able to take care of it yourself, maybe that's the only way to help improve the the breed overall is to have a government regulation. So it's a tough call. I, I can see both sides of the coin, but it's just not on Connemara pony breeding. I mean, I can see this in every breed. I think that's so true, though. Like, I would agree that we need to bring in legislation and, you know, all ponies should have to be tested and it should be regulation and you shouldn't be able to breed from a horse that isn't. You shouldn't be able to sell them undeclared. You know, they have to have a test to go to sale. 
because one of the other things is like one of the other recommendations and I think this is such a shame and the only reason I'll say it was a recommendation is to get across you know how important it is that we get on top of this but it was the recommendation to buy Connemara ponies that are not bred in Ireland and I mean that really just hit home to me because like I've grown up here you know I've been surrounded by them my whole life like my childhood was just ponies 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 and they were all Connemara and the idea that a recommendation is that you couldn't buy a pony within Ireland I mean like there are incredible breeders of Connemara ponies and even like you know there are breeders all over the world that are incredible but there are some local breeders that their families have bred these ponies for years upon years and I just thought that's such a shame that we would go down that route instead of just, you know, tightening up our belts, being strict about it, maybe having some people that are disgruntled for, you know, two, three breeding seasons, and then we've got it in motion, and this is what we're going with. Yeah, and I did find that uh, percentage that over 20% of Connemara ponies in Ireland are thought to have one or more copies of the hoof wall separation disease gene. So that is why this has become such a controversy. Yeah. Yeah. And understandably so. I mean, I was locoming in practice over the Christmas and the, like we actually had more and more people submitting the tests. And um, so I think, it is something that education is going to improve because how many people are are really aware of this? You know, unless unless you're part of Facebook groups, I think sometimes you don't always hear this. I did stuff. not. I as, as someone who's no longer on Facebook, I mean, I only came across this eight, what maybe seven or eight months I ago. I did not know about this until I started researching it, and then. Um, I was really amazed how the print media in Ireland favored the opinions over the science and what the research showed as their attempt to negate the existence of hoof wall separation disease. And how often does that happen for horses in general, where opinion mm -hmm. supersedes what current research shows and I believe and you can correct me if I'm wrong Nancy but I believe that was the Connemara breeder pony breeders society what? favored the opinion over the research of UC Davis yeah and I thought that and I looked up at UC Davis how much they charge for a um for the test here in this country you know so did I dollars <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. nothing in, in veterinary circles for a horse, <laughs> you know. And like UC Davis is a well-renowned um, like college for veterinary science. So I, yeah, that kind of blew my mind as well. I was like, oh, we're overlooking the science. Well, okay. and that's politics, you know, whether it's thoroughbred racing or quarter horses, yes. halter showing, whatever. Whenever you let politics within breed organizations come to the forefront and dictate the management, there always seems to be some kind of a mess up with the breeding or improvements 
within the industry or the horse lineage. So it just is like human nature that seems to occur. And this paper, just to note, um, the information that's in it and the statistics and the data came from Weatherby's and the Connemara Pony Breeders Society. So, you know, it's information that is readily available to both of those. Um, Weatherby's is the laboratory that does the testing. So it's information that they had that formulated this paper. But I would say to anyone, you know, looking to get involved in the breed, I mean, I'm definitely biased. I'll put that <laughs> out there first, but they are a brilliant, brilliant pony. And just, I mean, there are so many breeders that are testing and will show you it and, you know, are very upfront and very clear. So as with everything, just, you know, do some research, you know, don't buy off just anyone and take your time, look into different breeders and see what different lines there are. And I would say that as well, you know, look up the lines and see how kind of, I suppose, how much diversity there is in it. And, you know, if you need help with doing stuff like that, I'm sure you can reach out to breeders societies and they'll be able to explain mm -hmm. that to you yeah. as well. I think I think it's the interventions and management, um, having that overall approach to mitigate these genetic diseases. I think it can apply to all horses and all horse breeds. If we just become responsible in that way, it'll be you know, it'll better that particular breed and the sports that it participates in. And if you do have untested Connemara ponies, you know, their hooves might be absolutely fine and you might think they're not carriers, but I would urge you to look up some pictures of yeah. what occurs, you know, if they produce offspring that have this disease, because it really is, it's quite nasty. Um, and there are Unfortunately, some horses that it's so severe, they do have to be euthanized. Yeah, it ends up setting them directly on their sole while the front of their foot just completely falls apart or the dorsal, the upper part of that. Yet the coronary band is completely fine looking. So it was crazy. Yeah. I've had no idea that this was a genetic disease um, within the Connemaras. So, but anyway, well, that's about all I have on this, Kate. Did you have any more? No, um, the only thing I wanted to add is that we had a lovely message from a follower during the week. Um, they were listening to our episode on bravery in the saddle which is a good one. If you haven't listened to it, definitely have a look through Spotify or Apple. Um, and they just said they were listening to the podcast and loved it. And they were nodding along the whole way through and totally agree with all of the points. This listener in particular has actually just finished producing a course with Equitopia. And the aim of their course is to promote compassion and respect to yourself and others within the equestrian world. So I've had a little look at their course page. Her name is Helen O'Hanlon. And on Instagram, you can find her under Helen O'Hanlon Coaching. And her page is listed in her bio as well. And it is, I think it's just so useful. It would be really useful for everyone because she's got experience as a life coach. So learning how to train your mind and reframe your thoughts and experiences that block you from achieving your full potential. 
So definitely um, one to look out for. It looks pretty good. And thanks, Helen, for the lovely comment during the week. Definitely made our day. And we have some more listeners from other countries. So welcome to everyone that's joined. Um, you can get us on Instagram at conversations.equinescience or you can get us on Facebook, Conversations in Equine Science, or you can email us or you can contact us almost any way you can imagine. Um, Nancy and I are on LinkedIn as well and we often post things there. If you are listening on Apple, the very last thing I have to say, I promise, <laughs> um, if you could give us a rating or um, a review, that would be really much appreciated. And other than that, thanks for okay, listening. Thanks, Kate. And thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Take care.